0: To learn more, visit UASCC.org or UnitedWayNCC.org.
1: And again, you are listening to Community Matters. Congressman Joe Sembolinski discusses issues he has with bail reform and answers questions about the 2022 elections in his weekly media call.
2: All right. Well, I appreciate everybody once again being on our uh, weekly press conference. Um, Wanted to highlight this week, just in general, the great importance uh, of the issue of law and order and the threat we're seeing in New York State and around the country, uh, public safety. Uh something we've been highlighting this week. I, on Monday, <clears throat> spent some time visiting with uh, the Allegheny County Sheriff's Office and touring uh, their facilities, including a, uh, a very thorough tour of their jail facility. Uh, and, and this is far from the first time since I've been home in uh, for the October break, I've been talking with law enforcement and uh, and the corrections world, and it's certainly always a humbling experience to deal with uh, those that are uh, in the law enforcement community, uh, and it's always an eye-opening and a very valuable experience. And sadly, the laws that we put in place in New York State and around the country uh, that have been put in place in New York State and around the country have made it very difficult uh, and sometimes almost impossible for the Police to do their job of serving and protecting uh, the community and it's made it certainly far easier. To... The so-called bail reform or cashless bail has been enacted in New York State and in other places has had a devastating effect on public safety. And it's something I hear about uh, wherever I go. Uh, and we can't allow that uh, threat to public safety and law and order to continue uh, according to FBI statistics in, 2000, uh, in, in 2021, uh, the United States saw the highest number of law enforcement officers killed in the line of duty in nearly 20 years, other than the large number killed during the September 11th attack. And according to other statistics right by the FBI, the U.S. murder rate is the highest it's been in 25 years. Um, but certainly, statistics aside, you see it every day in our local news. You hear about it from your friends and neighbors. Uh, we see criminals back on the streets uh, before the ink is even dry and the paperwork filed on the crimes they're being committed. Uh, and this has led to further problems with low morale in our law enforcement agencies and shortages, difficult difficulties in recruiting. And that's something that I hear uh, everywhere, where uh, because of that low morale, because uh, you pick somebody up, and uh, they're back out on the street. Uh, we have folks that are less likely to maybe go into that profession and serving the public in that way than it would be in the past. And frankly, at all levels of government, public safety should be a top priority. Uh, yet we've seen from uh, folks in the other party, uh, including the governor, uh, that they're not taking that issue seriously. I believe Governor Hochul said something akin to. Uh, it's a conspiracy theory that those who are concerned about crime in New York State, uh, but I think it is actually the number one issue in the state of New York and one of the top issues uh, nationwide. And people see it with their own eyes. Uh, It's tough to say something of a conspiracy theory when it's so readily visible. And certainly the victims of crimes, including victims throughout uh, this portion of New York State and other parts of the country, don't view it as a conspiracy uh, theory. Uh, so I will continue to push for better law and order laws at the state and federal level, including uh, rolling back and and fixing at the state level the cashless bail law. And uh, in New York State, we don't even consider the dangerousness of a criminal. That's something that needs to be uh, fixed. It's long overdue. And people deserve, no matter where they live, no matter what their background is, to live in a community where they feel safe. That's the first and highest role of, of government, and we are in many ways failing at that. And uh, so I want to also thank the men and women in law enforcement who are dealing with these rules, these laws, every day, and been forced to watch criminals walk out who shouldn't be walking out, and thank them for what they're doing to protect and serve the residents of this portion of the world and folks throughout the country who are serving in that role, and let them know that at least as far as I can tell from the people of the 23rd District, they are certainly appreciated and respected for what they do putting their lives on the line to protect each and every one of us. And uh, it's, it's an issue I wanted to highlight. I think it's one of the top issues that we're dealing with as a society right now and make it clear that I stand with law enforcement and those that are willing to rush into harm's way, in fact, each and every one of us, regardless of our background. So uh, with that, I'll open up to questions on this or any other topic of interest.
3: All right. We'll start with Dave from WDOE.
4: Well, good morning, Joe. Uh,
3: good morning.
4: Kind of, good morning. Uh, kind of hitting on this uh, law and order uh, theme, talking about uh, cashless bail. Uh, some people seem to think it should bail reform should be repealed in New York State. Others feel it can be fixed. What What are your thoughts on that? How can it be changed?
2: Yeah. So what's frustrating with that is the governor is very you know quick to declare emergencies on a variety of different things, uh, and she has the power to call the legislature into the session. There's been repeated calls for her to do so and actually fix and or repeal the cashless sale law, and she has refused to refused to do it. She made some minor tweaks uh, in the previous session and then sort of says uh, it, it's oh, it's done. It's fixed. Um, nobody wants somebody. Uh, held indefinitely on some minor uh, uh, offense, of, of some nonviolent offense. But some of the problems that are is the number of crimes where enforcing a cash bail is not allowed is far too expensive. And there's been no consideration in the law for repetition. So no matter how many times you do a crime, or are accused of a crime, or arrested of a crime that is not a crime that's subject to cash bail. That doesn't trigger anything. Where if you do it ten times, a hundred times, you still are not eligible uh, for bail until you commit a crime that is specifically allowed to be uh, a crime that's eligible for cash bail. So there is certainly we don't want people languishing in jail for you know some minor shoplifting offense or or something like that. Uh, But this was done so poorly that we certainly need to go back to the drawing board uh, and, and repeal this law and then look to solve it in a bipartisan consensus fashion where we are actually talking to district attorneys, talking to law enforcement officials, and saying what is going to be fairest to everyone in society and what is going to keep everyone in society safe as opposed to passing laws on a partisan basis purely for political reasons. Uh, we need to have—that's not how you're supposed to be legislating. So uh, I think we need to go back to the drawing board on this, and the New York State Castle-Stale law is fundamentally flawed now.
4: Also want to ask you. I know election day less than a week a ag- uh, week away, and uh, regardless of who wins uh, Tuesday, are you ready to work with the winning candidate as far
2: as uh, a transition? Well, uh, certainly. Um, I'm. I'm looking forward to working uh, with who the people choose. Uh, The area to which I was elected is going to be in three different congressional districts. Six of the counties will be in the new 23rd, three of the counties will be in the new 24th, and two of the counties will be in the new 19th. So there's going to be three different transitions uh, that I'm going to have to help facilitate in three different sections uh, of the state. And, uh, you know, I stand ready to do so uh, with the People's Choice in all three of those elections because the people are who is most important and that's uh that's
4: crazy well hey thanks very much congressman appreciate it
2: yeah thank you
3: all right next we'll go to greg from the observer hi um i want to get your reaction to a couple of uh uh social media posts made by prominent republicans uh donald trump jr had posted um, a meme um, showing underwear and a hammer, uh, saying "Got my Halloween costume ready." And Claudia Tenney, Representative Tenney, had uh, apparently shared a meme of showing some men holding hammers. Uh, and both these were believed to be on the attack of uh, Speaker Pelosi's husband. Um, I want to get your mm-hmm. reaction to that?
2: Well, I, when we heard about. Uh, the situation with, uh, Speaker Pelosi's husband, you know, we put out, uh, a statement from our official social media and our, from our official office, uh, denouncing political violence. Um, you know, any type of lawless violence, especially political violence is wholly inappropriate and has no place in our society. I wish, uh, Mr. Pelosi nothing but a good recovery from his injuries. And, uh, I would hope that, uh, uh, his attacker is held accountable under the law, and that there is full and total transparency as to what exactly transpired that night. Uh,
3: but what about uh, your fellow Republicans' reactions?
2: Well, I mean, everybody has their own reactions uh, to situations. I, I'm, my reaction is I hope he's fine, we have, should have no political violence, and that I, I hope we have total transparency.
3: Is Claudia Tenney running for any of those districts that you mentioned earlier?
2: Uh, yes, she uh, is running as the Republican nominee in the 24th district, and all of Seneca County, all of Yates County, and the eastern half of Ontario County will be in the new 24th district. Uh, and those are that is the portion of the 24th district I currently represent.
3: So does her sharing that meme affect your support for her? I am
2: supporting Congresswoman Tenney. Uh, I think she'll do a wonderful job as the new representative of the 24th District.
3: Okay, thank you. <clears throat> okay, next up we'll go to uh, Lucas. Lucas Day. Hey, Congressman,
0: good morning. How are you? Good. How are you doing?
3: Not too bad, thanks.
0: Uh, just uh, switching up topics real quick. Uh, overnight, North Korea launched uh, as many as 15, maybe close to 20 missiles, and um, your reaction to that, and is that obviously a concern uh, for the United States?
2: Sure. Anytime that uh, the North Korean regime is uh, acting in a aggressive manner, that's something that we need to be, to be concerned about. Uh, you know, they are prone to uh, rattling the saber. Uh, that has happened uh, over time, and so we we need to make sure that uh, our allies and Uh, South Korea and in Japan uh, know that uh, we uh, are uh, watching the situation and that we are um, we have their uh, have they have our support uh, against any uh, unneeded aggression and obviously the North Korean regime is not a uh, actor on the world stage that tends to lend itself to uh, the same type of uh, peaceful dialogue all the time that other uh, nation states do. So I would hope that we can de- de-escalate any potential violence in that portion of Asia. And But again, uh, uh, our, I, we need to make sure that our, our, our friends and allies know that uh, uh, we stand together.
0: What would you like to see the White House, uh, their response be to this most recent uh, escalation? Yeah, I mean, we do have to uh,
2: handle a situation like that in a way that promotes uh, de-escalation as opposed to escalation. The last thing we want to do is uh, exacerbate a uh, situation. Oftentimes, the North Korean regime is sort of looking for attention uh, and uh, uh, trying to get uh, the eyes of the world on them, and and you need to encourage good behavior. Uh, not reward bad behavior congressman
1: thank you very much yep
3: okay next we'll go to julia wrfa news
1: mute off good morning congressman good morning so i was looking through and i saw that there is a um a bill in the house dealing with uh daylight savings time so daylight savings time ends this saturday and it's passed the senate and the bill is now waiting uh in the house and this is something that would make daylight saving time permanent on november 5th 2023 is this something that i don't know if it's coming up and for any for consideration anytime but is this something you would support or would not support
2: yeah i know that that went through that senate in an unusual way it was sort of in a sort of odd procedure where i don't think they were expecting it to go through and uh, it was sort of interesting legislative uh, quirk uh, my paramount concern when it comes to anything that has to do with the clocks, uh, changing is, uh, safety, uh, is making sure, especially school children that are on their way to school, uh, either going or coming home at a time when, uh, it might be dark or, or what have you, that, uh, they are safe. So I'm in favor of any arrangement of the clock that keeps children the most safe. And I think that's what we should study first. And if that happens to be going to a permanent status, either daylight savings time or standard time or continuing a switch or altering when the switch is, um, what I'm concerned the most about is that kids are safe as they're going about their uh, day-to-day life. And, and whatever keeps kids the safest is what
1: I would support. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you. Everyone else has questions I have.
3: Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. All right, next we're you've
0: been muted.
4: Frank. To unmute yourself, press the star key twice. Yes, good morning, Joe. Good morning. I uh, wanted to ask, because I know you've been uh, continuing the town hall forums, I uh, just wanted to get your thoughts about where the conversation has been going and talk a little bit. About uh, the final two coming up, uh, you got the one in the town of Carroll this Saturday, and later in that day, uh, Olean, I believe.
2: Yeah, and we also have on Thursday night uh, we're going to be in Wellsville. So we still have three. We've done uh, uh, we've done seven. Uh, uh, sorry, we've done eight, and we have three left to go. Uh, and they have to be Allegheny, Cattaraugus, and Chautauqua. Actually, the order would be Allegheny Thursday, and then as you said, Chautauqua followed by uh, Cattaraugus on Saturday. So I'm excited uh, to complete that tour. Uh, I'm a very strong supporter of the town hall meeting format in general, and having real dialogue with regular voters and regular citizens and people able to have a a dialogue with their uh, member of Congress. And so to be able to, in one to rational recess, be able to hit every county. And just bear in mind, these are just the town hall meetings. We have been in every corner of the district already, with other meetings and you know, talking to school groups, talking to businesses, uh, going to universities, uh, talking to citizen groups. We've been all over the place and putting a ton of miles uh, on the car. Listening, and the town hall meeting format is just one of those tools in the toolbox to make sure that you are grounded with the people uh, of the district. And uh, I think I mentioned in previous calls, one of the things that's come up continually and has continued to come up in other meetings is workforce issues. Uh, That does come up. Uh, The concerns with public safety that I led with today, that has come up. Uh, The concerns with inflation, those have come up. Uh, the concerns with, uh, how COVID has been handled, uh, and what we're going to do to, uh, deal with that, not only just with kids, but with uh, overall how we've dealt with COVID. You know, so a lot of the, you know, the hot button major issues come up. And of course, everybody you talk to has a little bit different of a perspective, maybe based on where they live, maybe based on what they do for a living. Uh, and so when you're actually having a dialogue, with people, real people, you can go a little bit beyond just the general feeling or talking points of about a particular topic. You can really get some nuance of, all right, this is an issue we all have a perspective on, but how is it affecting John Doe who lives in Chautauqua County? That may be a little different than just the national narrative. Uh, and of course, I care a lot more about what affects John Doe or Jane Doe constituent than I am necessarily the narrative in Washington, D.C. All
4: right. Very good. I'll uh, see you Saturday morning. Thanks, Congressman. Oh, wonderful. I'm
2: looking forward to it. Yep.
3: All right, Joe, we have time for one more question. We'll go to Brian O'Neill.
2: I guess I'll pass today. All
3: right. Well, then that should do it, Joe. Perfect.
2: All righty. Well, thanks, everybody. And I always appreciate uh, everyone taking the time and uh, and us having this open forum. I think it's uh, just like with the town hall format, uh, having open dialogue with the press is a crucial part of doing the job. And I appreciate everyone. Uh, we always have great turnout and great questions. So thank you very much.
1: That was a weekly media call with Representative Joe Polinsky.